Welcome to Southern Steep. Southern Steep is a public health and social justice podcast that centers the voices of community leaders in the Southern United States. Conversations center on innovative approaches to unapologetic leadership, meaningful partnerships, and thriving communities. I am one of the four co-hosts of this show, Isaiah Webster. I am joined by Nicole Elinoff, Torian Baskerville, and Bianca Ward. And we are all coming to you for the second time because this is the season finale, the season one season finale of Southern Steep. So guys, how does it feel to be one season in? I'm a little sad. <laughs> I'm- I'm not gonna lie, a little sad. Season finales, even with like your favorite shows, you kind of don't want it to end, or you know there's gonna be that pause before the season begins again. So it's like long. There's a longing after a season finale for me. But kudos to us for making it through a first season. We did this thing, but one of the things that I like about season finales, but it's a love-hate, is that I do look so much forward to the next season, and I'm looking forward to the listeners experiencing that feeling. I am excited for the break. (laughs) You better be honest. (laughs) Listen, you know, it's a, you know... It's a task with like recording and then the editing. It's fun, but it is a lot of work um, on the back end. But I have definitely enjoyed this space with each and every one of you. Um, I think we all have had at least one opportunity to record together and share this space together. So it's been like a really good. It's been fun. It's definitely been fun. But I'm I'm going to enjoy the break. <laughs> So Torian, we did how many episodes thus far? If we include this one, how many will it be? It will be 14 episodes. This will be our 14th episode. That is, that's a really good run for an initial season. Um, you know, cause some shows do what, eight, 10, maybe a dozen. So I think 14's pretty good. Um, So I'm excited. So the way that we're going to approach this season finale is that we're not going to have a guest on, but we are going to be sharing our highlights of our favorite moments from the first episode of Southern Steep. And so we each are going to introduce um, that moment. We will play that clip for you. And then we will have a brief discussion afterwards on why we think that that was a memorable moment, either for us or for the podcast or for the South, um, because those are all things that are important to us here on this podcast. Of course, it's important to point out that you're encouraged to listen to the full episodes of the moments that we're going to be referencing. And we will try to let you know either during this discussion or certainly in the episode notes, which episode number and where you can find uh, the clips that we're going to be pulling from. Uh, Southern Sheep is going to be on hiatus during the summer, but we'll return in the fall with, um, with, with season two. And it's going to be fabulous. <laughs> you sing it. So in we were having a little team meeting beforehand. Am I going to go first? Did we agree to that? Everyone's okay with that? Yes, okay, you're going to lead the way. I'm just going to do it. Go ahead. Okay. So I'm going to get us started. And my um my memorable moment from season one actually comes from an episode that Torian and I did together. And it's it's interesting because I don't think that Torian and I did. This may have been the only episode we did together. Maybe we did. Maybe we did one other one. Um, this is from episode seven. It's when we had the Sean Usher on the show. Uh, Torian, did we do one or two episodes together? I don't remember. 
Um, I think we just did uh, one episode together. I think we and, did, and this uh, would have been it. It's, yeah. This is it. I was trying to avoid Torian because, you know, whatever. But we we finally collaborated on episode seven and Deshaun Usher was was our special guest. So let me just set this up. So the <laughs> this moment is from from the from the very beginning of the podcast, I think it's like seven minutes in. Um, we were trying to get Deshaun, you know, comfortable with us. We had a bunch of questions for him about his program and about him. And we had started off by asking him, you know, the normal kind of get comfortable questions. Oh, where are you living? How are you feeling? Have you been on a podcast? Those sorts of things. And so we were, that's a, that's the stage of the conversation we were in. And I was pivoting to the first kind of serious question about his organization. And I mispronounced the name of the organization. Now, <laughs> there's a few things you don't want to do as a, as, a, as, a, as a host of a show. You don't want to call a guest by a name that's not theirs. <laughs> And you don't want to, you know, misplace the organization that you're trying to highlight. So it was a fairly embarrassing moment. But luckily for me, I've known Deshaun for many years. And so he took it all in stride. So this is a clip from episode seven, where I was trying to be too cute. And it backfired. To see where everyone else was coming from. Um, And I know that some people think New York is like the greatest city in the world, which is it, it is, <laughs> but it's also, um, I'm happy that I grew up there, but I'm also happy that as an adult, I was able to see other things um, outside of New York. I think one of the things we wanted to kind of, um, in, the, in the whole getting to know you, uh, kind of like the second thing we wanted to ask you about was kind of like the, the beginnings of NOBI. And, and, and do you use NOBI as an acronym? Or, cause that's how, that's what I've been saying. Moby, I'm sorry. Moby, I was like, I, was like, I don't use Noby as a Noby. <laughs> that, we be use Noby like, nowhere, right? Nowhere, like that'd be a no Noby, Noby for me. <laughs> when I when I tell you, I call myself doing homework, and I got all kind of notes, and I'm up here saying Noby, <laughs> Noby. <laughs> the look on your face, though, you were like, yeah, what, what is he hmm. talking about, like, Moby? Hmm. Closely related. It's yeah. Um, well, the work with Moby, um, so Mobilizing Our Brothers Initiative, um, it it started out of my work that I was doing um, around community engagement. Um, I was doing behavioral research studies and biomedical um, clinical research trials and a bunch of other like stuff. And it was just thinking about how the community that I was able to like reach and engage into these different clinical trials, um, didn't realize like what was happening in front of them, right? Didn't know what resources existed. And it was unfortunate because I, being from the same community that I was recruiting and engaging into these like different um, like studies, it was thinking that like, well, you know, there's this research to reality gap um, and you don't need to wait five years in order to know about PrEP. And you don't need to wait five years to know where you can go to get like an HIV test um, because like we're studying like what are those best practices and behaviors. Um, And the fact that there were so many organizations that had got money for black gay men that never literally was not doing anything for them, but they were grandfathered in, right? Into health departments, into um, foundations, into corporate sponsors, into 
walks um, <laughs> that they were doing. And part of it was because it, it it's like the legacy of an organization, um, which is great. And it's great that we have that history, but it's also a time when um, nonprofits work to a way of like not necessarily serving organization, serving the community that they're um, trying to truly focus um, versus like getting money and usually keeping it either in-house or to pay for staff and then don't have adequate budgets to actually do um, community engagement to reach people. So <clears throat> that was um, an interesting moment for two reasons. First, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that we're all amateurs and like what, I don't know that we consider ourselves professionals at this just yet. And so we're kind of learning as we're going. And despite the fact that I had done quite a bit of homework, there's always, you know, things you need to be especially attentive to. So that was one thing that sticks out in my mind. The other thing that sticks out in my mind is <clears throat> the spirit of Deshaun. You know, some people get really been out of shape when you get their name wrong or you you don't understand the organization and their name and those sort of things. The amount of grace he afforded me in that moment and kind of he he laughed with us. It's the spirit of of that is a southerner through and through. And we had a conversation about whether or not, you know, Deshaun is really a southerner and, and we do with that a lot on this show. He encapsulated the spirit of a Southerner because a Southerner in that particular moment would do exactly what he did. That, that is the spirit of what we've tried to capture on this show. And I feel like that was, for me, that moment is memorable for that reason. I wanted to know, uh, what did you all think about it? Um, listening to it again now. You were truly the definition of loud and wrong. <laughs> and I was here for it. Because... <laughs> I never say anything without conviction. <laughs> you are confident. <laughs> but you're right. The way he um, just gently corrected and, and you guys pulled it back together. Uh, but kudos for you for doing your, for doing your homework. <laughs> but it was, it was great. Just, just the episode overall um, was really excellent. So yeah, and, and I think there have definitely been other episodes where there have been those kind of hiccups, at least for me, and you just kind of pull it back together. And also, thank goodness for editing. Thanks, Torian. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> um, because, one, I think it's off to, to, um, to um, Isaiah's point, you know, you do preparation and you 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 know, so you come with like your best foot forward and it's like you have all of these things in your head about how it's going to play out and how how is it going to go? And then you get something and then something happens and it's like, crap, <laughs> like, did that just happen? Did I just do that? And it just was a funny moment to see Isaiah in a very like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like that just happened. Right. Um, it just was. And then, of course, Deshaun being Deshaun, you know, the way that he responded, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected anything different from him. Um, it just was a very it was it was a hilarious moment. It, and it was a genuine Leo like hilarious moment. There was no <laughs> like it was we all just bust out laughing like, oh, this we just going to rename the organization. Got it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> It, when I was listening to it, 
the when it first came out, I absolutely laughed during that part because I'm like, oh man, Isaiah did all that homework and this is all happening and like this would happen to him, you know? And yeah, listening to it again got the big smile on my face. But I think ultimately the fact that you all were able to laugh together, bounce back and be able to get back to the business also shows the type of leaders all of you are um, in that moment and just in general. Um, and it was it was great to hear it not once, but also twice. All right. Episode seven. Um, make sure you listen to that episode. It was one of my favorites. It included my my favorite moment of the season. So, Bianca, you're next on my list here. Would you like to go next? Sure. Why not? <laughs> so the episode I chose, um, oof, and I can't remember the number, but it was definitely more recent, was the Aaron Snowden interview. So the episode Born for This. Um, that episode, I actually listened to it more than once because it was was really powerful. I, so I've known Aaron, um, as we mentioned on the episode, over 10 years now. But to really, to one, interview her in this way, to get the history behind uh, Mama Toto Village, the organization that she works for, to hear the passion and conviction in how she feels about working in community and um, prenatal community um, birth workers, and, and also just her feelings about data and how we need to use that to um, really tell the stories of what's happening in our communities. That episode had, it gave me goosebumps because she was uh, the definition of a professional superhero. So I was really proud and honored to have that opportunity. Also, that was the third episode that Nicole and I had done together and which also just goes to show that we are a fierce duo. Okay. <laughs> So I will, so in this, in this clip, um, the reason I chose this clip, because I feel like although she was speaking specifically to working in community um, with, with birthing mothers, it really could resonate into all of our work um, in, in just various areas of public health when we talk about the fact that the community knows what they need. So although it's specific to, to prenatal health, I think there was, throughout the episode, really, there are just so many gems that can transform to various um, aspects. So whether it be perinatal care or HIV, it definitely touched on that. So I will pull it up. It's unicorns and it's this. So part of our theory of change is like this proximity, right? I can't, I can't expect to go into a community that is not mine and be truly effective. You don't know me. <laughs> like you don't know me. You don't know my mama. You know, like it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. It is not organic, our conversation. But when I go in, I make sense. Right. So I make sense to the grandma that's sitting in the corner. I make sense to the husband or the boyfriend who might be there. I make sense to their sister or their girlfriends who are coming in and out. And so the, the level of comfort and reception is just through the roof. And then there's a trust that's built over time. And now we've got um, women back into care. Um, we're attending their doctor's ap appointments with them. It just flows. Um, and so that's when we say, like, we have to trust that communities have the answers to their own 
problems. You know, um, you can't come in from the outside and expect to fix a community's issues. Um, and so we have, if we start listening to the community, the community will always come through with the answers. So I think for me there, it was literally, um, and that was episode 12, but that was the literally when she says the communities have the answers. And I think when we have all of these conversations, especially about community engagement and being intentional about how we engage community and what that looks like, just just really remembering that they, to to ask and get get the answers from them because they know what they need. That episode and the whole uh, later she talks about just mm, engaging in the medical system and how we're taught to have this respect and this this trust of doctors um, more so than we respect and trust our own knowing and our and, and our own selves. It was powerful. Please go take a listen. Okay. I, I will pause for thoughts. It was so good. It was such a joy. And I felt honored to not only get to talk with Erin and learn all about the work that she does and what Mama Toto does, but to also bear witness to the beautiful friendship that the two of you have. It was just really nice to see you and one of your besties together in action. And Erin truly is such a special unicorn. It was She does such great work. Her and the perinatal birth worker, like unicorn army. I love the way that she <clears throat> she paints a picture with the colloquialisms. When she said, "You don't know my mama," I was like, that like hit me like right here. Like I I yes, now I know exactly what you're trying to convey when you're saying outsiders coming into the community and not being able to speak our language, to know our culture, or to be able to converse in a way that feels authentic. And just her way of, she could have said what I just said, or she could have conveyed it like she did, which was powerful because I not only heard it, but I felt it. And like to be able to get your message across in like that way that immediately takes you back to the communities that you grew up in is, is, is just, you know, not everyone's able to do that. Um, and so, like, I love hearing her talk about the community and, 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 the, and the way that she talks about community, because I think it's really powerful. And I think that that's what, for me, that I think that while anyone could have come on and maybe talked about this topic, I don't know that they could have talked about it in the way that she did. And so the genius of that episode is really that she, she brought a unique flair to the topic. And so to me, that, that's the standout. I um, I will echo Isaiah's um, point and and uplift that. I think, it, you know, it, it was such a powerful um, episode. What I will also say is analytically, right, looking at the numbers, right, um, her numbers for that episode um, was like, crazy. How is that possible? Because I wasn't featured in episode 12. Because Nicole and I were, and Aaron is amazing. Carry on, Torian, you were saying? <laughs> so that is episode 12. It has the highest downloads um, of all of the episodes besides our very first, the inaugural brew. And of course, that was number one. So it had the longest time to be listened to and downloaded. Right. Ooh. So, and also because um, Bianca was in it, you know, so I'm the common denominator, <laughs> just so y'all recognize. <laughs> um, but, you know, I say that to say that, like, it's a testament to how that really did hit home for listeners. Like, 
there were people who actually was listening to it and it resonated with them as well. Um, and so, you know, th- th- great episode. That was a great, great episode. I think it was also really timely because we're having just more and more conversations about Black maternal health. And so to really have someone who is who is in the work, passionate about the work and, and seeing it through and can speak to it in this way, I think resonated with a lot of folks. But again, Erin is, is pretty amazing. So according to the stars, Torian, you're next to go. <laughs> What a great segue because my clip is um, our um, episode five, Meet the Co-host, which was our very first time all coming together to have a conversation. <laughs> and in that episode, we learned about our um, astrological signs. And so that's the episode that I am choosing. And I'm choosing that episode because... When you work with individuals in the middle of a pandemic that you can, you know, you can see virtually, but you don't really get a chance to kind of get to know them and connect with them in in real meaningful ways. Um, I think for me, this episode really was like, oh, I get a, a deeper dive into who Bianca is, who, you know, into who Nicole is and who into who Isaiah is and, and you all can get to see that about myself. And so um, I am going to play a clip from that. And so the clip that I am playing <laughs> bridging into it is when we are discussing <laughs> um, specifically something that has always baffled me and I never understood why, um, but in my astrology chart, it spoke about how I jump from jobs to job and don't really stay long at jobs. <laughs> um, and in this episode, we had the opportunity to like ask each other questions. And so this is Bianca asking me a question, her question. <laughs> and so I'm going to play the clip and then we'll discuss it on the other end of it. Your favorite part of your, your current position at NASDAQ. Oh, wow. Um, Working with Isaiah Webster. You can say it because he's on the line and reviews and cool points. I am not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, (laughs) But what I will say though, um, seriously, it's, it's genuinely working um, with all of you. Like, and I mean that sincerely. Um, As you said, like, because of the pandemic, some of the things that um, my job made typically, you know, consist of like traveling and meeting in person with, you know, with organizations that hasn't been able to happen. But, you know, being able to still do some of that work through the podcast has been um, fun and engaging. And then doing it with you all has been uh, just that much better um, and makes it that much greater. Um, I think the other thing for me is that, you know, Thus far, I've enjoyed my time here at NASDAQ um, and just the warm, um, considerate, thoughtful, um, team-oriented people that um, I have been um, engaged with just um, is definitely different, but it's it's been great, um, especially dealing with a pandemic and dealing with social, you know, political uh, uprising and unrest, right? Um it's been it's been really good. And so I've been enjoying this ride so far. And because 
your stars have shown that you are prone to switching occupations. I really hope <laughs> that you um, stay with us for quite some time because we are learning from you more and more every day. And I can definitely say that I appreciate um, having you on the NASDAQ team. Yes, I am going to put that out there. Stick so <laughs> I am going to put this out there that, I've, you know, I said earlier, I often get a lot of flack for that part, right? Um, what I will say is that um, I am also one of those people and you're, it, if you read further into my chart, they also talk about how like, I am a person who, if I'm not feeling appreciated or if I'm not feeling valued in a space, then I'm I'm likely to not want to continue in that space. Um, and it could be a blessing or a curse, but my father um, really gave me that um, I don't care attitude and I don't need you kind of an attitude. And so I've, you know, for better or for worse, I've always ca- kind of carried that with me. What I will say is that thus far, um, I do see myself sticking around with NASDAQ for a really long time, um, just because of the culture, just because of the people um, and also the work, you know, because for me, it's always like the work is never the issue. It's always the people that you work with potentially. <laughs> <That's the issue. laughs> and so I'm, I'm feeling like um, just the kind of the gratitude and appreciation for a lot of the people that I work with. So, yeah, um, you know, I think, that episode for me was like, it also put stuff in, into context for me. It's like, okay, it's not just me. Like, it's not, this is not weird. Like, this is a thing that's in my charts. Like, it's, it's you know, I can explain it now. <laughs> it's nice that you're still with us, um, Torian. <laughs> oh. And you know what? That is the one. It's funny that you chose this episode. I I love that clip, by the way. This is one of the only episodes that I've never listened to. And I think it's because I was, I don't know, I was really nervous about this one for some reason. But now I have to go back and listen. That way, if for some crazy reason you do ever decide to leave us, I can pull receipts and say and say that you are not leaving the job, you are leaving the people, i.e. Isaiah Webster. Okay, carry on. So now I'm wondering, are you is th- is this episode that we're doing right now gonna be one of these that you never listen to? Like what 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 is going on that you listen to some but not all of the Southern Steep episodes? No, I, sometimes I truly it makes me anxious. Understand. I don't know. I don't know. Carry on. Just carry on. <sighs> I thought for me, this is one of my favorite episodes of the season because I felt like it was like a pull back the curtain moment on the four of us and kind of like how we ended up doing this and why. And I feel like, you know, the more you know about the co-hosts and the more you kind of can relate to them, the more likely you are to even want to listen to the show to begin with. And we talked a lot about... um, our interviewing style and I'm like why we feel like it works for us. And I feel like all of the, everything that kind of wrapped up, even the, you know, the, the, the kind of fun part at the beginning where we were talking about the charts, I think it was, it was all a good uh, another way to learn about us other than just, this is my name. This is my title. And this is what my portfolio is, which, as I said, during that episode, that's, good, but that's not really when we think about this particular podcast, we want it to be a little bit more deeper. Listening, you know, that was a really fun episode. I had a good time, but I also just have a lot of fun with the four of you. And 
I guess, well, it's the three of you because I'm the fourth. Um, I mean, Torian's so tall. I mean, but anyway, so no, the the three of you, it I'm really glad that the feel I mean, the feelings are mutual. Like y'all are appreciated. I appreciate you, Torian. And I'm glad that the appreciation feeling hopefully is still present because you're here still. Torian's making Arts. heart hands to me. Yes, the appreciation to- is still present. Um you guys have been amazing. This has been a lot of fun doing this with you guys and gals. Last but certainly not least is uh, Nicole Elenoff herself. And Nicole, take it away. So I have to be honest, I'm a little nervy about sharing my clip now that I'm last. You know, at first it's like, oh, cool, I get to see the modeling. And now it's been all of these excellent moments. Um, but my moment that I chose is from the episode Justine for Mayor. Um, it's episode number 10. And fun thing about this episode is that Torian and I had recorded with Justine previously, but it just never made it because of janky sound quality. Um, and so we did a redemption episode with Justine. And Torian, I'm not choosing the birthday story clip. But I am choosing a clip that I feel is a little bit more serious than some that has been shared previously, but just shows such a deeper testament to Justine's commitment to the work she does and her commitment to the community. Oh, and here I am literally just diving in and not sharing my screen. And um, I think one of my leading questions is then like, you're doing so much already, right? (laughs) What else does Justine want to tackle? What else does Justine want to get her hands um, into and and mix up and and, and make work out? Um, My ultimate goal is to um, get as much as I can up here, build these connections, build these relationships, get all the knowledge, the certifications, learn systems, because I want to go back home. Um, Back home is where they need me in a place like this. And folks um, at home, you know, look at me for the first time in my life as an inspiration and a role model. Um, I think Atlanta has some great, I think other places, DC has a huge amount of great advocates and leaders, but from where I'm from in the areas around it, it's no one there to advocate. I know that it, at this point, if I was to go home, I never would find a job. You know, I would be looked over just because of discrimination and stereotypes when it comes to folks like me. And so I want to gather as much as I can, and I just want to change the trajectory of LGBT sexual health policies and all of that down in rural places across the South. I'm a country girl at heart. I love it. I love horses, pigs, cows. I love all of those things, and that's where I belong. Um, I'm here in Atlanta for a short time, and I know it's just as soon as I'm able and as soon as I have all of the things I need, I'm going back home and I'm changing stuff. I'm not going to see another one of my sisters or my loved ones or anyone, you know, feel alienated. I'm not going to see them being murdered and no one does anything about it. I'm not going to see people losing their lives to HIV related complications like that won't happen no more if I have something to do with it. So this is a filler for what my biggest dream is, and that is to go home and just 
take over. Like for clarity, when you have smaller places and you have rural towns in Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, all of those places, uh, how we have organizations here on every single corner doing things, there's only the health department. Um, and me learning the health department may get $100,000 for at best for programming and initiatives that, you know, reduces that stigma or prep material and all of that. So I think that it takes someone down there to open up their own stuff and run it with the community um, in hand to kind of change that. There's no HIV education. We're ran by the church. Our elected officials are people who are church pastors and all of that. So they come with their own stereotypes and biases and their own entrance. And that affects your constituents. That affects people who were born and raised in these communities. That affects them. So that's what I want to do. I don't want to come in here and take somebody's lead role at the CDC because that's not me. That's not Justine. I don't want to be the person who is always on the biggest interviews and TV shows of that, because that's not Justine. Justine is for the people and want to do the work for the people. And she want to go home and just help the folks who need it the most. Listening to that, I still get some goosebumps because she really is so committed to her community and her folks back home. And um, she's picking up all of the seeds. She's packing up some seeds of knowledge and she's going to take them back home to Macon and uh, she's going to sprinkle the seeds and water them. And it's going to be, you know, some beautiful flowers. Um, So I just wanted to share that with y'all that moment. As your co-host to that episode, Um, And interviewing Justine for the second time, I think we knew like her, what she brought to the table and how amazing she really is from the first episode that we did. I think the second one really like elevated it and just like made it very clear that like she's one of those gems in the South that um, often um, gets overlooked because they're really so you know, their face is so planted in the work that they don't really get the opportunity to kind of come up and kind of see the light and and don't often get those flowers. So it was great to be able to um, give another opportunity to give her flowers for the work that she's doing down um, in Georgia. It's just, she's just brilliant, um, so committed, so authentic, so just um, Justine, that it was just, yeah, she's definitely a favorite of mine um, from getting to know her. She's truly a Southern gem and she knows herself and that's a gift. I think what I love is um, just the idea of going back to your roots and where you're from to take care of your community. I know Oftentimes, people are eager to leave and get away from and get out of, um, especially if it is an area that is not literally not safe for them um, and, and never want to return. So the fact that she is very clear, like, I'm going to get all of the things, all of this knowledge and, and go back and help and serve is, is powerful and truly and it has a testament to uh, her own greatness. So, yes, Justine for mayor. And this is... Um, the first episode, the, when you guys recorded the first time, although the audio was a little, yeah. 
that episode also was really, was really, really great. Um, Justine is, is truly, she is amazing. She is uh, a gift and her, she exudes that passion um, that she has for, for the work and for the community. Amazing. So I can relate to almost everything Justine said in her episode. The only thing that I could not relate to is her love of the horses, the pigs, and the cows, because y'all, as y'all know, I'm very cosmopolitan. So if we take that portion out of Justine's comments, I would like to identify myself with everything else that she said, particularly what struck with me, you know, I've been doing HV now for more than 20 years. And I remember why I started doing this work to begin with, because I was in Louisiana, in rural Louisiana, to Justine's point. And there were plenty of people doing HIV work. And they they were they were great people doing HIV work. I'm not trying to shade them at all. They were doing some very important and hard work. But they were oftentimes women. They were oftentimes white women. And particularly in the leadership roles, I would see gay men of color involved. I would see them, their expertise being uh, tapped, but I rarely saw them running the program. I rarely saw them um, in leadership roles. And I was like, okay, that I'm going to do that. That's, that's what I'm going to do because I see that I can, I might have a skill or two that can contribute to changing this. And so I get it. So when Justine says, you know, it's cute, CDC, that's cute. Um, federal government, that's cute. I'm, I want to go back home. I get that 100%. That Because that person's me. Like, she doesn't have to say any more about it because I'm right back to, to why I got into this work to begin with. Justine, if you're listening, uh, great episode. Um, we were very happy to have you on. So, Nicole, you want to say something? Yeah, she came on not just once, but twice. <laughs> so thank you so much for your patience with us and for being the gem that you are. So that concludes our our memorable clips, but we want to do one other thing before we close out. So we normally have a Southern Charm segment. As we shared, there was a lot of, um, what's the word? A lot of back and forth, shall we say, around what we're going to call that segment, but we landed on Southern Charm. And it's usually where we highlight programs or folks in the South that are that are doing spectacular things that we think need a spotlight on. So we're going to do our Southern Charm today, but the spotlight is going to be us. And I'm going to ask each co-host to give appreciation to one other person. And I'm saying one other person just as a way of doing some editing in here, which I know Torian will appreciate. And I'm going to go first because that means I get my pick of the litter of who I want to give my appreciation to. And I'm taking, I'm taking the producer's <laughs> prerogative and Bianca can just be in her feelings about it. I'd like to give an appreciation to Torian because uh, the listeners should know that he has done the bulk of the behind the scenes work for the podcast. He, he has helped to edit every single episode. He has done the heavy lifting in that regard, the heavy lifting and making sure that it gets posted, the heavy lifting and working with our communication staff. And all four of us have a hand in the podcast, but it's not in, it's not an equal hand. Torian has done more work than we have done. I think that that should be recognized and acknowledged. And so I want to give Torian an appreciation for all of his hard work on Southern Steep. It has not gone unnoticed. And as a matter of fact, I think it's been outstanding. 
And Torian, you get to go next. <laughs> so are we passing it along when we're done? <laughs> so long as Bianca goes last, I think it'll that be fine. <laughs> um, so first, thank you, Isaiah. I really do appreciate that. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, my um <laughs> my appreciation is actually going to go to Isaiah. And it's going to go to Isaiah. We didn't plan because this. I swear we didn't plan I this. I promise we didn't. But I am saying this because there would be no podcast <laughs> without us having that meeting, talking about what can we do to bring CBOs in. And you like, what about a podcast? <laughs> and we all looked at each other like, duh, like, yeah, <laughs> sign me up. Right. And so without your vision to to see the climate that we were in and like being virtual and being able to say, like, hey, let's do a podcast, you know, and, and and we wouldn't be here or at least we wouldn't be here in this juncture. Right. And in this moment. So um, I'm giving appreciations to you um, for that. Um, and also as a person who edits all of these episodes, unlike Bianca, I listen to all of them. Um, <laughs> He's choosing violence today, but carry on, Torian. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they are all really great episodes. And, you know, I, I will say that with Isaiah, the episode that we had with Deshaun was definitely one of my favorites. Um, and your your personality and your the color that you bring to this space is um, quite hilarious to listen to and edit. <laughs> now, Nicole, you can go since Isaiah doesn't have can't go again. I'd like to give a gift to Bianca. But you don't have to. <laughs> um, but I, I want to. I, I very much do. And if anything, I was really nervous for a moment that Bianca was going to get stolen. So, um, Bianca, this gift is for you. Um, it. So, first of all, Bianca, we don't work in the same department. We don't even work in the same office because, like, what office? Um, but... Just for a record, it's for the pandemic. <laughs> um, but like ultimately, it's been such a treat to not only get to share this space with you, um, but also get to know you a little bit more and have a lot of laughs and get to really talk to some amazing transformative people and specifically some powerful women and, you know, empowered women empower women. Um, you know, that was one of our last episodes we did together. Um, and I really think you are truly an empowering woman. You are a public health superhero. I see you with your kids. I see you out here with your business, with all of the things and just sharing so much joy with all of us. And I really appreciate you um, and everything you bring to this space together um, with everyone else. So thank you. Thank you. And so my appreciation was going to be for you as well, because I don't know what Tori and Isaiah did. It just messes up. But it was going to be with you 
anyway, because one of the things that I was going to say is that, one, I've recorded more episodes with you than I think with anyone else. And so um, I just appreciate the the energy that you bring and our connection and the laughs. And you're right. We've had some really awesome, awesome guests and some episodes that have definitely uh, been close to the heart. So one, thank you for also being behind the scenes, getting all of this scheduling together and tracking down folks and making this happen. Uh, you are appreciated for sure. And also just, you know, being amazing. And eventually when we are in the same space, teaching me how to ride a bike. Thank you. <laughs> and all, and I have one more appreciation and it's really for all three of you because you saw this this young girl from the care team and said, come on over <laughs> to this side. Because for those who don't know, I don't even work with these people. <laughs> so thank you for inviting me into your home. So do you not know how to ride a bicycle? And how did I not know this? Or did I know? Did you tell me and I forgot? Torian edited it out. Did you really? Did I edit it? No, he didn't. I think, I, I think Torian, I don't know if it made the cut. I think we talked about right. it in our Southern Charm when we talked about the yeah. ride for life. Is that yeah, smart, but did, smart ride. Did he I take out the I part of me offering <laughs> lessons? No, I think I left that part in. I think I left some. Of, I took some of the other parts out, but oh. I think that part about riding a bike is still in. I think all of us need to go back. Sorry so, Bianca. So, just to be clear, do you know how to ride a bike or not? Just to be clear. Bianca Ward does not know how to ride a bike, and she is over the age of six years old. You're over the age of 30. <laughs> now you're being rude. <laughs> Are you talking about me choosing violence? I mean, so we, we, this summer, we can we can add that to your list of things you, you can learn how to do. Any final right. thoughts from anyone before we sign off? This has been fun. I look forward to, maybe that's a question. What do you look forward to about season two? Oh, you're adding to the, the arc? Is that, is that what you're doing? Yeah. Are you adding to the arc? Because the show's over. <laughs> Bianca's interview style is asking questions. It is. <laughs> so the last question I'll ask is, what do you look forward to about season two? Mr. Webster? You know what? I think with any good show, even when season one goes great, season two usually is better no matter what it is, because everyone's like completely in the groove at that point. The audience kind of knows what to expect. They come in with a, a level of expectations that are generally met because everyone kind of is a little bit more familiar. And so I think there'll be some refinements to our to our show, but I think that it's just, I feel like it can only get better because I think we have a great foundation. So I'm excited to see ways that we can continue to grow it into what it's going to be next. I'm excited. Um, also for the growth, but also to see who we're going to be bringing on next season and, you know, what great um, advocates and activists and people in this work um, we're going to be bringing on. Um, I think, you know, again, having listened to all of the episodes, all of the guests have been amazing this season. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how we how we elevate that um, for next season. I'm also looking forward to the guests. I want to hear more stories, more of their reasons why. I think that that was kind of a theme throughout the episode that's, that's really powerful to hear how and, and why they're 
doing the amazing work that they're doing. I'm excited to cover some more ground in the South. I think that we've talked to a lot of really incredible Southern communities and folks from those communities, but I'm really looking forward to talking to some folks from communities you might not hear much from. Um, Oklahoma, Arkansas, we're coming for you. All right. Season two will will begin in the fall, likely um, in September sometime. So be on the lookout for that. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Isaiah Webster. I'm Bianca Ward. I'm Nicole Ellenoff. And I'm Torian Baskerville. <laughs> Y'all did it without talking over each other. I love it. See, we finally got it. We're out. <laughs> thanks for joining us. 